I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about mortgagee sales. Mortgagee sales. Now, I say this every time, but I can't believe that we've almost gone into episode 400 and we haven't talked about what a mortgagee sale is yet. Now, Andrew, you used to work at the BNZ. Walk us through what a mortgagee sale is and why the bank doesn't want to actually have mortgagee sales at all. Yeah, I think there's kind of a misconception out there that if you miss a payment on your mortgage, the bank will put you up for sale and kick you out of the house. It doesn't work like that in New Zealand. And probably actually a little bit of this is because mortgagee sales in, say, the United States are much more common. And the reason for that is before the GFC, they used to have loans that basically they'd give to anyone. You could lend 110% of the value of a house. And if you had a pulse, or even if you didn't, they'd give you a mortgage. And so then when they had a depressed market and, and values went down, people were in negative equity. And their contracts are different, their mortgage contracts are different to New Zealand. So here in New Zealand, you're responsible for that mortgage right up until when you sell that house or get rid of the mortgage or pay off the mortgage. Over in the United States, if you hand the keys back to the bank, you can walk away from that contract. Amazing. Now, obviously, any equity that you had in the property is gone, but if you're in negative equity, then you just walk back to the bank and say, here you go, it's your problem now. And then, of course, the bank has to go through that mortgagee sale. So you probably get a little bit of that trickle down of people you know, hearing about mortgagee sales overseas and the assumption that New Zealand it works the same way. It doesn't at all. Now, a mortgagee sale is the absolute last resort for a bank. And I can tell you this from experience because- If someone is paying their mortgage and then they become delinquent on the payments, the bank doesn't want to go through the process because it's a pain in the butt. You've actually got to go through quite a long process to ensure, because the bank has a obligation to its client, to make sure that they get the top dollar when selling that property. They can't just go and um, flick it off to the next person that comes with a check. And so as a result, it is, I think it's something like a six to 12 month process to actually go through. Now, if anyone listening to the show is in financial hardship because of COVID or something like that, then you've probably already gone to the bank and asked for a mortgage holiday where they capitalize your payments or the interest uh, payments, component of your payment, onto the mortgage. So what that means is rather than making payments over the next six months, they will capitalize the interest payments that you're supposed to be making and or you might have turned your loan into a uh, interest-only loan for 12 months, so a lot of banks were doing that, and so you've got some breathing room there. Now, that means that in the next 12 months, you can go and find another job. You were a pilot previously, but you can go and find a job somewhere so that you can actually get back on your feet or you can retrain or something like that and or you know you start a business. And so all of these things are possible. Now, if a bank just gets no communication with a person, it takes, I think, about three months before they kind of initiate the first part of the process. But again, it takes kind of six to 12 months before you actually have a signboard outside your house saying that this property is going to mortgage sale. And part of that process is that they go and get valuations. And I think they've got to get two valuations as well. And then they put it on with one of the major firms. So someone like a Bailey's or someone like a Harcourt's generally have relationships with banks, again, to make sure that they get the maximum dollar. So if you're there thinking at the moment, I'm an investor and I'm going to wait for all these mortgagee sales to come up because there's going to be so many of them and I'm going to get a great deal. 
you're wrong. It, it won't happen. And actually, Tony Alexander just recently said in an article exactly those words, because there's so much water to go under the bridge before you have a mortgagee sale that there probably won't be any, because the Reserve Bank has given, and the government have given people a long time to kind of get their life sorted out. And generally, if someone is in trouble, what the bank will do is say, hey, look, we'll put you on a mortgage holiday for six months or 12 months, whatever it be, and you need to put that property on the market yourself and get the maximum dollar. So while someone might be under kind of financial pressure, you're not going to know that because the agent's not going to tell you that, and so you're going to be competing with anyone else anyway. And similarly, there are additional costs that are occurred before you get to the mortgagee sale process. And what's really important, of course, is that the bank is going to want to cover all of those costs, so things like penalty interest, all those capitalised interest payments. So although that property might be worth 400000 and the original mortgage, that's quite a cheap house, 400000 but let's run with it, and the original mortgage might be, say, 200 k after you add on the penalty interest and the capitalised interest payments, the minimum amount that the bank is willing to accept is much higher than what the original mortgage was because it takes that time in order to be able to get to that mortgagee sale process. But it doesn't even stop there. After that, let's say you're successful with a mortgagee sale, you need to be really careful between the point where you've gone unconditional with that property and when you actually settle, because you may have tenants or the original owners of that property still living in that property. And if they feel whether rightly or wrongly, that they've been hard done by by the bank, then they may cause some damage to that property. And this is very, very, very common. I think you've got a case study to say that. That's correct. So, and I think we referenced this book last week, actually. Matt Gilligan's book, Property 101, talks about an investor who purchased a mortgagee auction. This is down in Clendon. And they knew that there were potentially going to be some issues. It was an owner-occupier who was being, from their perspective, potentially turfed out by the bank. They were losing their home, which is very unfortunate. We don't want this to happen. Anyway, so this investor has purchased the property and they were doing what I would consider to be the really diligent thing to do, staying in touch with the person, making sure that, yes, they're going to move out on this specific Friday. Yes, that is when we're going, you know, and making sure that, look, I'm going to try and be a really nice person, help in this way to make sure that... Dealing the- with a fragile situation yeah. in, a, in a best possible way. Making sure that the people in that property are being looked after, but actually they're going to do what they said they were going to do. They're going to move out on the specific Friday. Well, Friday comes around and they turn up and knock on the door. And Great sound effects. Thank you. I knocked on the thing. And out comes mum and everybody's asleep or playing PlayStation. What's going on here? Oh, well, we haven't kind of really got it sorted. Sorry. Okay, no trouble, says the investor. I'm going to go get a skip bin, organise that. I'll pay some of your moving costs. I'll start getting in there and putting the clothes into bags and rousing Very the troops. Very generous. Uh, yeah, and they went and bought KFC for lunch, turned up with two big buckets of KFC to feed the family. And I tell you what, if I ever go to mortgagee sale, I'm just going to not pack up so that someone brings me KFC. <laughs> and uh, I'll be turning up to your place with the K-Fry <laughs> and, and tries to rouse the troops and, and make sure that it all happens and out of nowhere, materialises a friend's trader and they all pack up and by 5pm they're off on their way. And I think what this story shows is that this investor's gone to great lengths, great, very active lengths to try and manage the situation. And even that keeping in touch with the previous owner of that property was almost in some ways not enough in order to be able to make that situation. They got in there, got their hands dirty they packed up, they helped pack up this person who they don't know. They're helping them pack up their life and move Worst on. Worst job in the world. <laughs> You're it, doing it for someone else. And we're not saying in this case, 
don't go and do this necessarily, but be aware of what can go wrong. Be aware of what may be needed from you if you're going to go through with a mortgagey purchase and especially if it's an owner-occupier. And Andrew, you've known some stories. Oh, look, I, I remember from working in the bank a number of horror stories about day of settlement people going through and they had, because they were disgruntled and they were upset that the bank had turfed them out of their house. So forget the fact that they haven't been paying their mortgage, but the, you know, turfing them out. So you know they would do things like rip out all the carpets, rip out all the fixtures and fittings. And actually, an interesting story, it's kind of a bit of a side note, but there was a newspaper article about Johnny Little, who was on the show recently, and it was a bit of a scathing article that came out last week, and the nuts and bolts of it were that he bought some apartments in Sumner and Christchurch, and he bought them as is, where is, so, so earthquake damaged, and part of the responsibility of the owners, because it was a delayed settlement of, I think, about six months, is they needed to keep the unit secure and ensure that there was no additional damage done. Now there was additional damage done. So people have been breaking in and people have been sleeping there. And so as a result, there was a retention at settlement of about $500,000. And so the owners of the property are upset at Johnny because oh, he hasn't paid us for the extra 500000 that he owes us. But actually, no, no, no. You've got to make sure that at settlement, your property that you're selling is still in good nick. And if you're dealing with a mortgagee situation, it's probably more likely than not that there is going to be an instance where there's going to be some upset people and there'll be some damage done. And actually, again, just one last story. Before we wrap up, uh, there was a funny story. Uh, well, it's not that funny. Uh, at, at the bank, I remember Brian Crisp, who was the scary credit manager, telling me the story. And the bank had got, had a situation where there was a separation. Again, don't know why I said funny story. And so this this couple had separated, and <laughs> and they'd gone into the bank and said uh, they weren't making the payments. The bank had called them in and said, "Hey, you're not making the payments." And she said, "Well, I'm not living there. I'm not making the payments." And he said, "Well, I'm not living there. I'm not making the payments." And the bank said. Well, who's living there? Anyway, the next part of the conversation resulted in Brian Crisp himself going and having a look at this house, which had been ripped to shreds because they'd got started on renovations. They'd start ripping up wall linings. They'd start ripping out load-bearing walls. And then they'd had this big separation because the renovations were going so poorly and no one was living there. It was uninhabitable. And and so the mortgagee sale was, I think in that instance, they had to actually lend the clients money to get it finished because they had what's called a defective security. The property wasn't worth anything in its current form. They needed to fix it. Oh, Brian. That's a, t- that's a tough <laughs> that's day That's a bad day at the office. And what's important to remember as well is that even if there is damage, which the previous owner would be liable for, you're going to have a hard time getting any money out of them because the bank over the last 12 months has failed. They couldn't. <laughs> and, if, and if the bank can't do it, good luck is all I would say. But look, again, not trying to scare you too much about mortgage sales, but just pointing out some of the things that can go wrong, that have gone wrong, and that may go wrong in the future that you just want to be aware of. Yes, there's money to be made there, but also there's some hard yakka in order to be able to get that and just be prepared for that if you're going to go down this track. That's the key message from this show. That, and I just don't think that there's going to be the oversupply of deals that people expect there to be. So if you're waiting for a deal on mortgage sales, go buy something else in the meantime. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, why not come along to our free in-person events? These are happening mid-October in Christchurch, Wellington, and in Auckland. Tap or swipe over the cover art in order to be able to click on that link that I'm going to drop into the show notes. Or just go to opspartners.co.nz slash pod event. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.